you guys were just got done flying the Super B. Yes, yeah, and crashing the Super B and flying <laughs> and, it again. And then crashing it again. All right, so tech service bulletin. Um, when you're talking about building an airplane, pay attention to what you're doing. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> I ran the longest screws in the pack into the windings, and I had a sick motor. Ooh. And uh, we found that out at the very, very end. And uh, we basically, poor Josh, how, how did you get me in the air? Uh, we had to, I had to hold on to the Super B until I felt that both motors were pulling evenly. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd have instant catastrophe. <laughs> just what you felt in your heart just yeah. felt, felt right. On a very good, I had to become one with the Super B. <laughs> yes, you did. And on a very good note, the Super B can take a beating. That's good. Because we crashed it a lot to, yeah. to get the closing uh, footage. Its face so. isn't as cute anymore, no. but it's still operable. It's, it's super bent mm-hmm. is what it is. Well, its brothers, uh, the Bloody Wonder and Bloody Baron, are known for durability, right? So yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, it really very, is. It's in good company. And, and I've never said this, but it was so fast it scared me. Um, the very <laughs> first prototype was definitely slower than the final version with the red bottoms. And uh, to get to fly it all around was pretty cool, but uh, definitely need a bigger area than, than what's in our backyard. Well, in case we're assuming too much that yeah. people know what the Super B is, maybe you can give them a quick uh, preview. Yeah. I keep calling it like a like a race quad with wings. Yeah. That's what it seems like. <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely a mashup of a lot of different ideas. Um, the Super B came around when uh, I needed to go down to Texas to meet up with Shane and Heather McDowell. And uh, I love flying wings, but there's a couple of things that flying wings just don't offer. They're a little bit bigger, and the arrow travels pretty good. But it's just not very compact, and I needed something that could go into the seat. So I took Dan Sponholz's awesome FT Bloody Baron, and I shrunk it to 25 inches, and then took the dual uh, pods off the Mini Cruiser and literally just slapped it on. I mean, the whole design process was maybe 30 minutes, and we built it and went down there and had a ball with it. So uh, so that was the birth of the Super B, and since then we've gotten a flat with Heather and Shane McDowell, most importantly Dan and Keegan Sponholz, which I think are the, the main inspirers of it. And... Uh, this thing just out of the box, you know, with a, a simple four cell setup, will hit over 90 miles an hour, and uh, it builds really quickly. You can strap it to your backpack, kind of like you said, a mini quad. Yeah. Uh, super portable, super durable. Uh, we actually have plywood in the nose, which makes it take a hit, as we found out really, really well. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just a fun little pocket rocket. You can put FPV gear on, and, and the thing I don't like about wings, um, which makes things difficult, is you have no yaw, and you're pushing the airframe through the air where this is pulling it through. And with the differential thrust, you have uh, have yaw control. So whether you're flying line of sight, FPV, it's not going to give you, you're not going to be using this for gimbaled footage. It's just a really rough and ready, ready to go fast, you know, plane. And you can shoot a gate because it's so small, really easy. Um, and it tracks like an arrow. Do you think we're going to see some people shooting gates with them? I hope so. I hope awesome. so. I would love to see, like, I, I like mini quads a lot, but the problem is, is visually watching them, it really leaves you wanting. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like watching an alien spider, you know, a very noisy one going through the air. I was talking to uh, some of the mini quad guys and also some of the Rotorite guys, and they said that the wing racing stole the show at the Drone Nationals yeah. in New York. Um, as far as just like from a spectator st- standpoint, because sure. I think they, had, they didn't have a ton of spectators, but there were some there. And uh, the flying wings, especially the ones that they're flying there, are just visibly more entertaining. They they sound crazy when there's yeah. like six or seven of them in the air. They're doing 100 miles an hour. They're just much more fun to watch uh, line of sight compared to a little black a bunch of little black specks running through the air. Well, especially with wings, you can be like, oh, the blue one's in second. Now yeah. it's in first. Yeah. Oh, well. But with mini quads, it's like, I can't tell. There's so what's happening? The, the black one's winning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The one with the carbon fiber on it. Um, and, and, right. and here's the thing: is for the pilots, like FPV quad racing is so smooth compared to like wing racing. You know, wings and even this one kind of bobble a little bit. Yeah. But visibly watching them and, and witnessing them is really cool. And the profile looks really cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I think that's the catching up that mini quad racing has to do is figuring out a way because like you go to a live event like drone nationals in new york and you're going to get the best experience by watching it on whatever big screen you're watching the downlink that's the most entertaining well you could do that from home yeah so why go to an event and i think that's one of the things that they're going to have to overcome to make it more mainstream is figuring out what either bigger quads or i know that a lot like drl have done like leds which i think helps a little bit um but you know if you're trying to make it a spectator sport you know, like the X Games or something like that, you're going to need st- something that's a little bit more, you know, visibly 
entertaining than than a little black mini quad going through the air. You can't tell which side is the front or if it's the back. You know, you can't tell if it's upside down or right side up. It's just just a little flying robot. <laughs> well, one thing I can definitely see is where the where the drones leave off the wings and the fixed wing platforms pick up, and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to really see a wing shooting through a stadium uh, gateway and yep. then coming out the other end. It just doesn't have the ability to slow down and stop. But what you will see is these beautiful lines and, and incredible speeds. I, I know, you know, Heather and Shane, they regularly fly at 100 miles an hour wide open. Yep. And you'll, wow. you'll never see a, uh, you know, a multi-rotor really cruising at that speed regularly. And if you did, you couldn't really even see it because it's so small yeah, in the so air. It, it's really cool to see them both together, really. Yeah. And one thing I'm always intimidated about is, is launching wings. It's really hard to, to get a good, healthy launch. And, and Shane and Heather perfected this awesome maneuver, which is pretty actually safe. It just looks scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, they, where they double hand launch it over their backs. Those where, big wings. Yeah, yeah. Those huge ones, yeah. Yeah. Where with like the Super B, literally you can hold it right at the center pod, give it half throttle, and you just let go. Yeah. And you're done. And uh, so it'd be kind of cool to see if this catches on. I think we're going to be tuning and tweaking and, and really getting people's feedback on Super B. Maybe it'll be a version two yeah. or an alternate body. But I would love to see twin engine racers as a fixed wing platform kind of enter into cool. the wing scene. I'd be curious. I have no no idea how to go about it, but I'd be curious if you hooked up a flight controller to the motors yeah. and hooked up some uh, gyros to the yaw control to help stabilize it when you're flying through the air. I think it'd be amazing. I'd be curious to see how that, because seeing how well they stabilize mini quad footage. I mean, yeah. some of the footage that people are getting on mini quads now looks unbelievable um, from a fixed camera. If you hook up the yaw to gyros on both motors to help it stabilize in the air, you'd, you wouldn't get that wing waggle that all the wings get. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to see how that works. No, it'd definitely be really cool. Speaking of racing, though, too, I did see over the weekend, or yeah, over the weekend, uh, Lumineer had some little race down in Florida. They were It was all HD. They were using ProSight Mini Connex. Oh, wow. They were running eight people at a time with no breakup at all. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that they were looking, the, the reason they did that race was to um, test feasibility. They wanted to see, like, how, um, how like, a full HD system was handled, like, in, like, a racing environment. So mm-hmm. I think that that was, I think that was the first race ever with full HD, with so. only HD. Wow. I saw some photos of their monitors yep. of all eight up at once. Yep. It looked great. There was no breakup at all. And I saw um, some of the pilots were just raving about it. Um, everybody said it was a really cool experience. So I think it's a new. We're entering a new chapter of yeah. FPV. That'll be special, no matter which way you see it. I know uh, at Flight Fest, the, the gentleman let I think it was you and I, Austin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fly it, and it was funny because it took off, and I was dead quiet. And if anyone knows me, I never shut up. And he's like, <laughs> well, "What do you think? Say something!" And it was such a sensory overload because all of a sudden you see the world in a mini quad like you've never seen it where. You're not looking at just green grass. You're looking at the blades of grass as you fly by. You're not flying around the flag. You're flying around the Lumineer and the next the flight test and the next the, the other brand. So it was like almost like sensory overload. You could see so much so clearly. Um, you almost had to process it differently. And uh, after a couple of minutes, you know, I found myself able to shoot gates a lot more aggressively than, than a typical quad just because you could see it clearly. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it. We just got uh, some of those Glyph HD goggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I can't we, wait. we have a Mini Connex too. We're gonna. Well, the ProSight, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we have uh, um, the Glyphs. Actually, is interestingly enough, is what they were using at that Was race. It? So they were totally. using Glyphs with, uh, um, yeah, the ProSights. And I bet that's interesting. That's really interesting. I, I just got a little bit of time to mess around with the Glyph, and I was using it for silly things like I was using it as a computer monitor, and it's not ideal for that because it still has um, the dual optics, like the Fat Shark, so each, each eye has its own uh, screen, um, which in other words means you're not going to get the whole screen in focus. Um, as you Fat Shark users know, you kind of have to pick and choose. There's, gonna, there's always going to be a small portion of the screen that's, out of focus. Um, so for uh, something like a computer monitor where you're looking all over the screen and reading little tiny text, not ideal. But I'm looking forward. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm looking forward to trying FPV on it because I yeah. think it'll be really cool. Well, I think we're going to put it on the Phantom immediately. Phantom Inspire, it's a perfect plug-in. There's actually a little adapter that you have to buy, which I did order okay, uh, for the for the Phantom 4, but that's going to be really interesting because yeah. you don't need to see that crystal clear peripheral, yeah. you know, so... Um, and also, I think it'd be it's probably good for like watching movies and stuff like that. Again, you don't need that. You're not reading text, yeah. you know. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, if people don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Avagon Glyph. Um, it's a it's a HD headset type deal, um, and uh, makes you look like Jordy from Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 
it's uh it's definitely uh definitely it should, crazy should be battery volt or battery in it now if you want to it looks it like um oh, should i should i demo it on the podcast <laughs> yeah show people how i'll try to be really it. descriptive it okay. looks like uh headphones that you wear incorrectly <laughs> yeah it right. looks like beats that you wear over your eyes <laughs> like like the headband part goes over your eyes at this um, moment josh is putting on the avagon but one thing that <laughs> <laughs> he looks great dude. he does look good does look cool. <laughs> one thing that i think will be cool though like with the phantom Whoa. isn't that amazing yeah it's shining into your soul, man. It's really bright, too. And I, yeah. I even tested it outside in the sunlight, and you yeah. can still see it perfectly. Well, and the way it works is you're not looking at monitors. It's actually a projection. And yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it literally is shining the image into the back of your, your soul. Uh, your soul, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the just, I don't know right now, I think, Josh, you just look at the box, right? It's almost yeah. like floating out in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. It's, it's, such it's an, beautiful, though. It really, it's like you're lining up two windows. Yeah. To, to your eyeballs, and then when you're there, you're you're immersed. It's cool it's because the the box that's inside the circle, uh, my my perspective shifts if I close one eye and then can, the other. You can adjust. There's little adjusters on the top right there. Uh huh. So that's like your pupil distance, and you can also no. But I mean, like, so yeah. if I look with both eyes, the box is right in the center of the circle. Oh, yeah, I see. But okay, if I close, yeah. if I close my left eye, then the box is a little bit over to the left, and vice versa with my well, right. Well, stop eye. closing your eyes. Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm it's, just, it's, it's cool. really good. It's, yeah. it's, it's cool. My soul is really digging it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean the features of this thing. I mean, we looked, we we tried out Zeiss in the past. Um, I am blown away, and I know there is a little adapter you can also order that will let you plug it into just typical SD. Oh, okay. uh, and use it for SD as well too. Yeah, nice. and the the thing that I'm excited for, especially like with the Phantom from like an aerial photography and video perspective, is it's very bright. So the screens are really bright, so you can see it no problem outside. But it's not using eye cups or like a face mask like traditional Fat Shark goggles. So you can actually still see you know out of the top and bottom. Mm. Um, and one of the things I've noticed flying the Phantom a lot is when you're doing the aerial photography, a lot of times it's like a line of sight slash FPV mix style of flying. You're doing both. Um, and I think the glyphs will be... I know Eric, he uses the yeah. Zeiss. He holds and them he down likes, on his nose. He likes the Zeiss because he holds them down on his nose and he can look at the screens and then he can look up and see himself line of sight too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think the glyph will be good at that as well. I'm excited. I know uh, it's going to be really cool to see how this technology evolves. And it really hasn't evolved too much other than better optics, better signals. Um, until recently, and yeah. this is a whole new way to, to take it on, and, and the perfect timing with the pro site coming out as well. I think, uh, I mean, quite honestly, to me, it's I, I can't believe that we're still flying analog FPV in, in today's, you know, today's the, the age of technology that we're in. Um, but I, that being said, I think that now that the hobby, especially mini quads and stuff, is getting all this mainstream attention. I think you're going to see a lot of companies investing a lot of money to, in, in this type of technology. And I think in a, in a few short years or even months even, we're going to be looking back. Oh, remember when we used to use those old analog fat sharks? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was just two years ago, even though it seems like 10 years ago. But, it's going to yeah, be awesome. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Well, probably probably a couple years. Yeah, that's probably what we're looking at of analog flying still. Um, because if you look at the release time in between the Connects Mini and then the Connects Pro site... That was like less than a year. Yeah. That was like eight months or something like that. So um, if they can keep reducing the price point and keep increasing the reliability, and especially I think the amount of people able to fly at once, I think if you That's can get that main, nice yeah. medley of things together, then it's going to be a game changer for sure. Times are changing. Times are changing. Yeah. Hey, speaking of goggles too, we also have the uh, Fat Shark SEs coming to our store. We do. And uh, if, uh, if any of you guys don't know about these, they're the coolest looking Fat Shark goggles yet. Um, I got the opportunity to go down to Shenzhen and, and do a tour through uh, Fat Shark Immersion uh, Factory, and that's when they showed it to us. And they're orange and black, first of all, which is a beautiful color combination. It looks sweet. Better but, than the white. Yeah, yeah. It has the resolution of the SDs, but the uh, field of view of the HDs, if, I, if I'm describing that right. Yeah, the, the, um, the resolution is the same as the Attitude V3s. And then the, the field of view is the same as the Dominar HD2s. Yeah. Um, so. And so that's... But if you're flying analog, that extra resolution doesn't get you a whole lot. But that wider field of view does. Yeah. You know, so I think that's why I think these are going to be a really popular goggle. And he price pointed them really well, too. The pr- they're priced very similarly to that of... I don't think it's exactly the same price, but they're just a little bit more than the Attitude V3s. Yeah. So to me, that's the right buy. Yeah. So and, excited to get those in the store. Yeah, those are, they're actually they're on the store now. If you click in stock notify, we'll we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll get some in. So yeah, good stuff. So it's been a busy week. Yeah, it really has. Um, we uh, we've had a 
busy past couple of weeks. Um, something I don't think we've talked about yet on the podcast is we just got back from Flute Dog not too long ago. Yes. Which uh, Josh, you and I went, and then Alex and Josh Scott did not go. Um, so maybe sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> <Wah>. <laughs> so maybe we can uh, maybe we can tell you guys a little bit about it. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. We, we, we won it. We did win. And, and, and the, <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know, the, the best part of it, and I know we said a lot, but we can't say it enough, is uh, we won People's Choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that, to me, because we, we, I don't want to say we lucked into first place, but a lot of things went wrong for other people, and a lot of things went right for us. Yeah. And, right. uh, but People's Choice was, was from you guys. So we really you know, treasure that deeply, and thank you, because that yep. was in the course of, what, three days, four days? Yeah, a couple of few days. That you guys came into action and, and put us ahead. Yeah, so it's, it's how the People's Choice uh, Award worked, for those of you that don't know, is that uh, so Red Bull puts out this challenge uh, for each flug tog, um, where basically the people get to decide an award for each flug tog. Um, is how you do that is, is you give a specific hashtag for, uh, for Twitter and for Instagram, and then you post those. And then there's a, a system on Red Bull's end where it shows like an active ranking. So here's the group that's getting, you know, the biggest... Mm-hmm. Um, push or whatever or the biggest and also people live at the event during the flug talk can use those hashtags to vote for who they want to win um and so i think we started a couple of days before the event um we were really behind it uh, we were like uh i think the top team had like 40 percent of the vote yeah. or something like that and we had just a like maybe 10 or 15 percent or something like that um and so we really kind of hit it hard and really asked you guys you know to, to post you know post hashtags and that, that sort of thing and i think we ended up double what the next closest yeah. uh, next closest team was at the end of the event. So. Give, give you guys an idea of what you also overcome. I mean, there were teams that literally paid, what is it, a banner tower, the plane, right? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't there see There was that. a plane flying over the flute tog that, that encouraged people to vote for them. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's crazy. what you guys overcame. And then there's another... It's a clever idea. Yeah. yeah a very is, expensive yeah. clever idea. I think. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys also gave us the opportunity to pass up, what was it called, the uh, Flying Dead? Uh, yeah, one of the, yeah one of the teams was was doing uh, like giveaways and that sort of thing, and yeah. you know, um, so yeah, we that was the team that was leading initially, and but yeah, we just absolutely uh, won. We yeah. won the won the people's choice for it, and thanks to you guys for all your participation. So that that's what we hold most dear, and in the whole journey, uh, basically we had ten days, uh, two weeks. And Josh, you were really instrumental in helping us build this plane, weren't you? I put my blood, sweat, and tears into it. <laughs> well, you, probably like five or six days, I think, yeah. you were on this thing. Yeah, yeah, we had a good time putting it together. Uh, Bob is obviously a huge help with that as well. A, a, bunch, of, a bunch of people uh, put in yeah. a lot of work for it. But it, it was really cool. It was cool to see it fly, uh, even though I wasn't there. It was great to watch the video and see something that so many of us put um, work into and, and collaborated together um, to see it fly but uh definitely even better see it win yeah yeah it was a blessing um we had basically 10 days because we literally got back from uh from oshkosh Mm -hmm. and and we designed the plane on the way home from oshkosh and then got the materials the next day and and really hit it hard and it was a real thrill to think just what those 10 business days you know what it turned into and on on day nine was actually when we were assembling it at the flute talk yeah and uh I never, you know, been more proud of the, the team as a whole. Everyone really jumped in, and it was a real special thing. There was a lot of obstacles we had to overcome, uh, even up to the Flutog, where uh, where we we got to see the best of everybody. Yeah, so it was really wonderful. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of work. I mean, there's some teams that you know it looks like they you know they put it together a couple of nights before, and it's probably because they did. Um, there's some teams there that looked like they'd been working on it for years, <laughs> and they might have been. Yeah, um, and uh, we were definitely somewhere in between there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of work, yeah. a lot of work for something that, you know, doesn't last very long, but it, overall it was a really rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, if we had to do it over again, I would, if we had to do it over again, I'd push harder. Yeah. But, <laughs> that yeah. was a yeah. unique story in itself. Um, there was a, if anyone watched the video and it's like, man, it looks like they just kind of like dumped it overboard. Like it was a dead fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of did. We did yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was unfortunately two injuries before us, um, yeah. and there was some of it, one of it was uh, wind related, mm-hmm. um, and so they actually cut the runway down in half by the time we got up on the dock. And then also they were saying, you know, you don't push that fast, yeah. keep it slow. And we weren't sure when the flying speed. There's only a pound. It sounds like saboteurs to me. <laughs> it does. It does. Like someone got paid off. But I, I kicked myself because we we probably were running like six miles an hour, seven miles an hour when we dumped this thing over the edge, and the wind probably gave us an extra three four miles an hour, but. 
we could have done better. And seeing that pull out, I, I was trying to, I'm not a mathematician, physics guy, but I was trying to calculate the distance when he started actually rotating and he couldn't have been over 12 miles an hour. Mm, and yeah. to think we could have really pushed as hard as we could and gotten that lift into the wing earlier, how far would that would have gone? Because it's like 15 to 20. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. He, he had full stabilized flight at the very end when he touched down, and uh, that would have been really cool to, to witness. Yeah. But uh, next year. Next yeah, they, year. They had, um, yeah, they had some gusting headwinds earlier in the day that was, like, sending people flying crazy, like, oh. over, on the, over the side and stuff. So I understand what yeah. the reasoning was. They'd rather have lackluster flights and keep people safe than have a, you know, re- world record breaking flight and, and have risk there. So just so kind of a risk mitigation thing on their part. But yeah. I do think if we would have had that extra runway time and if we could have pushed harder, I think that would have yeah. been pretty crazy flight. And this would be a good opportunity to really, you know, thank the Red Bull crew, uh, specifically Nikki. Yeah. Uh, Nikki was one of the head organizers of it. And uh, the whole team, uh, the, the, the young ladies working, um, the the volunteers, the safety people, even the person that dragged us out of the water. Um, the All of, of you guys out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Uh, they, were, they, they were just the definition of professional, kind, friendly, uh, encouraging. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect with Red Bull, and, and I can't wait to work with them in the future. It was really a cool Pretty experience. Pretty cool company. It yeah, really is. I think, I think Austin said it best. They're not really a, a beverage company. They're more of a content company. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just happen to sell energy drinks to fund everything <laughs> <laughs> well it was funny because we had trouble getting to red bull we were the address we were given was on the opposite side of the road and it was like a 20 minute detour to be able to go around uh to it and i felt so bad because we saw this red you know those red bull mini coopers mm-hmm. that drive mm-hmm. around yeah. we saw a red bull mini cooper so we're like let's follow it <laughs> and we literally followed it like to the heart of town and they pulled over and while they're parallel parking I double parked with the flashers on and jumped out and like a stalker ran up to their window and tapped on it. Help and us. Um, they were very kind. I mean, yeah, I scared them. But uh, <laughs> the, the lady popped out and I explained to her what was going on and she immediately contacted uh, some people that could help us. But in the meantime, she's like, would you like a Red Bull? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, it'd be rude to say no. Um, but I've never really drank a Red Bull until the day we started working. You bought a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was the beginning of the end because I think through that time I probably drink about 12 <laughs> yeah and uh well, i, I broke it in habit by the way again. well there's a bunch of free red bull around it's hard to disclaimer don't drink 12 red bulls it's just yeah, not don't, sure. don't be like is yeah. that one of those cars that has the giant yeah. can on the yeah. top yeah mm-hmm. i always yeah. wonder if they have like a straw that comes down from this <laughs> you, car. you know what they do have they have like a cooler built into it like the trunk is actually a cooler yeah and, uh, you Makes know, th- there's all these Red Bulls stacked in there, and uh, it was pretty cool. But they also had this thing called a jetpack, and they'll wear these, like, backpacks that look like a big Red Bull, and mm-hmm. they're stocked full of chilled Red Bulls. That's funny. Cool. It was, it was kind of funny. She was like, oh, man, i got to refill my jetpack. And I'm like, jetpack, where, where? <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was cool. And, and uh, so many people, uh, David Mack, um, who else, uh, came out to, to, to visit with us. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of uh, yeah. Boston local Boston people that, that came out that were that were fans and were excited to see us and I think had a great day. We were excited I mean, to see was, them. It was a fun, it was a fun, exciting day. I think yeah. uh, just a, a really unique, interesting yeah. event that a lot of uh, <laughs> actually it was the first time it was in Boston. So I think yeah. it was probably a lot of people's first times at a flip dog just like ours. Is it? Should I keep it to myself, or should I tell them what we're thinking about maybe for the next, if we get invited to another flute talk, how we want to attack it? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? I, I mean, it's, so. it's only it's a, a podcast that's around forever. I have to know. <laughs> if, um, if anyone uh, um, has listened to previous podcasts and also our content, they know that we're really passionate about FT STEM. And uh, one thing I think we would like to do is, uh, for next time, we, we love the collaboration spirit, but I think next time what we'd like to do is actually collaborate with an FT school, um, a showcase school. And, and, and do the design, the build, and the competition utilizing great minds from uh, middle school and high school. Uh, so obviously there's a, a known thing in the Red Bull Flute Talk that MIT competes a lot mm-hmm. and wins a lot. Um, it holds the world record. And holds the world record. I would love to see someday that being defeated by uh, some great minds in, in younger education, but also using a lot of what uh, flight test really stands for, which is simple, practical application of knowledge to really conquer really advanced problems. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's if, if Red Bull has us back, I'd like to uh, see what FT schools are out there and collaborate with one, hopefully locally, so that way the kids can come out and we have uh, you know hand in working with them through the design process, the build process, and ultimately they can uh, help us 
maybe defeat a goal. That'd be awesome. So that that's a that's a thought. Flighttestdem.com. Yeah. Flighttestdem. <laughs> oh yeah. Should we should we plug flightestdem.com and tell people it's officially out now? And I'm, please 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 please, if you're a teacher, bring it in your school. Or if you know teachers. Lives. Yes. <laughs> or or if you're a parent and you see little Johnny is really inspired through flight, you can now bring it to their school. Even if your kid's not named Johnny. Yeah, even if it's Fred or, or, or Maggie. Which, one, which or, site do they go to, FTSTEM or FlightTestStem? It's FlightTestStem.com will be the kind of the surface level. That shows you... Uh, and then once you're in it, then you yes. go to FTSTEM. FTSTEM. Okay, yeah. and then also check out uh, Facebook, uh, FTSTEM on Facebook, because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of good content on there. There's like uh, Jake Marshall who developed the curriculum. He's doing like walkthrough video tours of his classroom, getting ready to set up his class. Really, really cool. Every time I see it, it makes me jealous that I didn't have something like that when I was in school. And this this isn't just me talking. Um, if I would have had this back in, in high school, it would have changed my life. Um, yeah. I didn't find passion behind my work until a couple of years after I was married. And I had a lot of catching up to do with, with getting a thirst and hunger for education where these young men and women going through. And, and really, when you, when you take something like aviation and you teach them how to defeat it at that young of an age, um, the way STEM works is not how well you fly or build. It's, it's how well you attack a problem through the engineering design model. And uh, Jake has just done an incredible job uh, teaching kids to use, you know, analytical thinking, you know, practical application and knowledge to solve problems. And that's something that if you can learn at a young age on how to communicate problems, how to solve them, how to even communicate a failure, that is a life lesson and a life skill that will take you a lot farther than just hitting out of the park out of luck. And, uh, I would love to see this go into schools. And, and also, I mean, it's half the price of the robotics programs. Yep. And the kids get to bring home their airframes and introduce to their other friends and their family and then fly as a family. So for me, it's a, it's a dream to see it become a reality. But thank goodness we have great people like Jake and, uh, and Robert also who's mm-hmm. doing a lot of our back-end uh, programming and, and the design website. Uh, what a thrill to have them on the team. And even if you're not a teacher, even if you're a student, or if even if you're an adult that's done with school and you know teachers – uh, don't hesitate to spread the word about our, our curriculum because FT STEM is a very, very hot topic at all schools. My mom yeah. works in the school uh, school systems here in Ohio, and um, even some of my friends who I went to high school with that are now through college and actually teachers, they're all asking me all about what this is. So even if you're a student in school, show this to your teachers because yeah. a lot of schools have a budget set aside for this type of thing, um, and it's something that could be a reality in your school um, or in one of your friends' schools if they're teachers and stuff like that. So please help spread the word about it. Also, a big, a big part of uh, simplifying um, the flighteststem.com website um, was to make it easier for people that aren't teachers to get involved. Um, so if you're just looking for like a fun edu- educational activity you know, for a group of kids or, or you know, wherever, um, wherever you are, uh, your program is, um, there's, there's two up there right, right now. There's one that's called... Uh, um, I forget what it's called, but it's the space shuttle one. Yeah, uh, mission control, we have a problem. Yep, and so uh, they build a foam board space shuttle, and there's uh, activities and problems to solve based around that. And then there's a second one that's uh, with our uh, FT Sparrow. Called the Sparrow's Egg. What is the Sparrow's Egg? Um, and so uh, there's uh, obviously they build a sparrow, and there's problems based around that. They have to fly an egg a certain amount of feed. Yes, and it's always nice when there's eggs involved. <laughs> exactly, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there, uh, so there's a few activities there that um, you can be a teacher, but you absolutely don't need to be yeah. a teacher to you know to run a program like that. If you have a group of kids that that you want to get involved in aviation in an educational yeah. way, we didn't want to box us into just being only schools. We wanted you know uh, youth centers, things like that, Boy summer Scouts, camps. summer camps to be involved. If you go to our store, uh, flighttest.store.com or store.flighttest.com, 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 uh, you're gonna actually see a little STEM tab. Yeah, that's for everybody. You yeah. can you can get the same resources uh, because we, we don't care how you use it. We just want you to use it and impact lives. So uh, yeah, check it out. And it's just an exciting time to think that we can actually talk about aviation entering schools, and it's not a not, what was that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, think. I was looking to see if Luke Tog is on the Red Bull TV app yet, but it's not. It's not. Soon. Soon. I hope. That scared me. I thought, like, there was I, a I man under the table. <laughs> there was aliens coming to get us. Somebody was tapping oh. into our link. Well, it's been special. I do have to say, that was a flawless segue from Luke Tog to STEM. I know. Now Boy. we need to find a segue to something else. Well, you know, I got a segue. Josh, you've been busy. Yeah. Uh, if you, any of you guys listened to a couple podcasts ago, um, Josh has a passion uh, for interviewing uh, World War II vets. Yep. And you got to meet up with some people. I have, yeah. I've met up with a few guys so far and have a few more uh, coming up. Actually, this this coming Friday, which when you listen to this, it will be 
today. I'm meeting with a uh, 97-year-old uh, veteran who fought in the Battle of the Bulge, um, wow. so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, some of the things that um, some of the guys I got to meet with so far have been just incredible. It's it's just so cool to hear these stories and that they they tell them um, with so much humility, uh, but also pride. Um, and it's really cool. It's really cool to see, and and they really uh, you can tell that they really enjoy that I'm taking an interest in in what they're having to say. Um, so, uh, yeah, some of the guys I've talked to so far have had some really crazy stuff. Um, one gentleman I talked to, uh, his name is Mel. He was a, a medic, um, in the European theater, um, he, also during the battle of the bulge. And, uh, he had some, he, he was, he was a funny guy. He had some really funny stories, uh, but he also had some really, really impacting stories as well. Uh, one in particular, he, uh, in the middle of, uh, of a battle, he found, uh, one of his friends who he had, been through a lot with actually let me back up just a little bit because because mel has uh three purple hearts oh my um two of them he got within eight days of each other so he got wounded and then he got fixed up and then within about a week he got wounded again um but uh so he he and his friend uh his friend's name was harold they had been through a lot together and uh he came up on harold one day laying in the snow and uh, he couldn't see any wounds on him or anything, and he uh, Harold is, is complaining about uh, pain in his stomach. He got this pain in his stomach, pain in his stomach. And so uh, uh, Mel flips him over, and all he found was just a small slit in Harold's hip. Just like he said, he said it was just like a, a, it looked like you could just stick like a, a silver dollar through it. And uh, he knew exactly what happened. He had Harold had caught shrapnel, went up through his hip, and tore through his insides. I'm sorry if this is getting vulgar, but it's it's true. No. Um, but uh, so he knew he knew there's nothing he could do for him. The the uh, the medic station where um, they could have you know possibly done something, but probably not done anything to help him um, was hours away, and there was nothing that he could do um, if he was to carry him back. Uh, Harold would have been in excruciating pain for the entire trip back, and he would have he would have died on the road anyway. Um, so this is Mel's, one of his best friends that he served with for a while, been through a lot together. And so he said that all he could do was just sit there with him, give him some morphine to take the pain away and just sit there with him until he passed and just, you know, just calm him down, just comfort him and be there for him, which was, it was a pretty crazy thing to hear, um, you know, either way, but to hear it from the person who, who lived it and experienced it was, was really mind boggling. So Yeah, so um, you know, I, I've I've been able to hear been able to hear things like that, and like I said, he's had some other stories as well that were were actually kind of hilarious, some of them. But uh, I met another gentleman who was a um, he was a mechanic for the um, amphibious um, vehicles that go from the ships that take mm-hmm. the soldiers onto land, um, and he was stationed off of uh, Iwo Jima when when we were fighting there. And uh, he shared a story about uh, when they raised the flag on Mount Suribachi, the with the flag that we're all familiar with from the memorial in Washington D.C. That famous picture, mm-hmm. um, which side note, the picture was staged after the actual flag went up. A lot of people might not know that, but it's huh. true. Still a good picture. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, the symbol is is the important thing about it. Yeah. But uh, so this guy uh, Jim, he was the mechanic on the on the amphibious amphibious vehicles. He was actually out on. Out on uh, out on a ship, and uh, while the battle was going on, and he had Mount Suribachi like right there in his sights. He was he was standing there looking right at it, and uh, no flag or anything on top of it. And he said all of a sudden, all of the sirens and whistles and every all this cheering from from everywhere just started just started going up. The, the entire fleet just started going crazy. And he looked up on top of Mount Suribachi, and there was the American flag flying there. So he had pretty pretty much a front row seat oh, wow. to seeing that flag raised. And I can only imagine. Incredible what that felt like uh to to experience that and to see that going up and and whether or not he knew at that moment that that was history being made i don't know but it had to have been a really uplifting experience for him to be able to see that so yeah uh that's just a couple stories that i've gotten to hear but um it's it's really been exciting it's really it's really been great and i'm going to keep it up you know as, as long as i can and i'd love to be able to to do more traveling the uh the people that i've met with so far um, have all been within, you know, a, uh, hour 
radius for me. There's there's a gentleman that I'm hopefully going to be meeting up with in the Columbus area, so that'll be the furthest one I've traveled so far, about two hours. Um, uh, so as of right now, I've only been meeting with people in pretty much in my general area, uh, but I'd love to be able to do some more traveling. With that comes, you know, requirement of funds and everything. But yeah, uh, but yeah. so right now I just have a uh, on my personal Instagram account, uh, I just have some of these stories and on my personal uh, Facebook page. But I am uh, thinking about just starting a separate uh, Instagram account just specifically for these. There's a lot of Instagram accounts out there that share some really cool uh, World War II uh, photos, and there's even one that does a similar thing to to what I'm doing, where it actually goes and finds the the men who lived it and shares like a picture of them and their stories and everything, which is similar to what I'm doing. That's cool. uh, so I just got to come up with a cool name for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one thing, Josh, I love to, to hear passion, but you, you just talked to some people that were in some major events that shaped the war. Yeah, you know, the Battle of the Bulge. And yeah, then, uh, here um, Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. Yeah. Um, but also, when you travel with us, I'd love to see where people, when they do come, it seems like aviation and, and military mm-hmm. uh, seem to go hand in hand very well. Definitely. Um, I would love for people to be able to know when you're going to be where. Right. So that way, you know, when we are at an event, they have the opportunity to meet up with you uh, as well. So uh, we'll, in the future, we'll definitely be letting you know where Josh is going to be. And if you have a, a grandparent or, or you have been in, in one of these theaters, you guys can take the opportunity to connect and, and you've had quite a few people reach out to you already. I have. You? Yeah. Since the last podcast, when we talked about this uh, a couple podcasts ago, um, I've had a few people contact me by email already uh, to let me know about their, their grandfather or their, you know, their friend's dad or, or whatever who served in world war two. And uh, so I've established those contacts as well. I'm debating on whether or not, uh, you know, some of them are, are pretty far across yeah. the country. So I'm trying to figure out, am I going to try to actually meet up with these people or do a phone interview when they're that age? It's sometimes difficult to do mm-hmm. a phone interview. Yeah. A lot of them, a lot of them don't even talk on the phone. They just have somebody else communicate for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to be able to establish as many contacts as I possibly can and then find a way to, to make it to them, to meet up with them. It's really special. It's really cool. Are you uh, recording like audio or video or anything? Uh, so, so far, um, so far, I've just recorded audio just as voice memos gotcha. on my phone, oh, okay, um, right. taking pictures on my phone. But like I said, it's, it started out as just a personal a personal hobby. But more, the more that I do it, the more um, people are really appreciative of it, and the more mm-hmm. interest is gained in it. Um, so I am uh, seriously thinking about stretching into something a lot bigger. Uh, like I said, I, I want to start a separate Instagram account so that it's it's not just you know people don't have to rifle through like you know awkward personal pictures of me <laughs> in order to see uh, in, in order to see the stuff. But I, I you know I wouldn't mind making it into something bigger, um, you know, a, a more obtainable and more entertaining. That's a bad word, but uh, you know, just a, a a bigger medium for people to be able to really experience it. The whole the whole idea, the reason why I'm doing it for myself is because I really have uh, a, a great respect for anybody that served during that time in any capacity. Um, it, it, just, it means a lot to me. And I think that with that generation so close to passing and being completely gone, I just feel like it's an important time to kind of rekindle the awareness of what they actually went through and what they actually did um, to the generation that is, is up and coming right now. There's a lot of parallels to their time and our time now, and we really got to share up in these final hours some life lessons that were learned during that time to Definitely. bring them back to reality, to, to keep us from either making the same mistake again, yep. or, or to how to prevent it. Right, and and, and uh, one of the one of the main one of the main uh, values that I pick up from from these guys is is like I said, humility, but also just a sense of of you know being part of something greater where it's it's not. Uh, not so much a selfish ambition that drives you to do something, but for the for the better, uh, for the good of the generations that follow after you, and for the good of everybody um, that uh, you're aff- affiliated with. You know whether you know them or not. Just like the be- the betterment of your country, because your country is 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 people. You know. Yeah, really cool. Well, Josh, thanks for sharing, man. That's all, that's really yeah, cool. sure. You want to plug your Instagram, Josh? So until you find sure. that, that sweet name for yeah, absolutely <laughs> the sweet name that I have now for my Instagram is literally my full name, <laughs> Joshua David Scott. No, no spaces, no underscores, no hyphens or anything like that. That's on Instagram. That's on Instagram. Yep. And yeah. then uh, if uh, anybody has uh, contact that they'd like to share with me, uh, you can email me at Joshua underscore direct at yahoo.com. Yes. 
I still have a Yahoo email address. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Old school. I like it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Yeah. Um, I just got back from Palm Springs. Oh, nice. So uh, I don't know if you guys are, have seen the media uh, release, I guess you can say, but Parrot has a new toy out. The disco. Disco. The disco. disco. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think uh, if, if you guys have watched it, and I want to definitely take some time here in the podcast to talk about Alex's awesome vlogs. Uh, but if you guys have been watching Alex's awesome vlogs. That um, should be what they're called. Alex's yeah. awesome vlogs. <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. I really enjoy them. Um, and they're incredible. And you guys, the feedback you guys are getting is pretty awesome. But um, got the opportunity through Parrot to go down and check out their newest release, the uh, Parrot Disco. And something really special about the disco is it's a flying wing. It's not a multi-rotor like the, the Bebop was or their predecessor, the, the Paradrome. Um, I've never seen a wing that you can hit a button, throw it even terribly, and it flies up to an altitude of circles. Everything just worked. And to see this technology kind of come into light now is, is pretty inspirational. So uh, look forward to a, a video on that. We're going to do a just a, a release video, what we saw, what our thoughts were. I mean, nothing's perfect, perfect. Um, the one thing that was kind of a letdown for me was the FPV experience uh, through their goggles, which are included. They're called cockpit glasses. Um, it was a little bit, it was, uh, it was SD, basically, uh, 720. They call it HD, but it's uh, 720, 30 frames per second. We were flying over eight or nine of them at a time, and with 107 degrees, it was a little stuttery. But later on in the day, when we actually cooled all the gear down, it was very smooth. I actually, though, preferred to, to fly it through just like an iPad, mm-hmm. and, and it looked a lot prettier. It was much closer to what you'd see in the Phantom. But they don't use a gimbal to, to stabilize anything. They use a camera with a 180-degree field, field of view, and then it transmits uh, down at 720, 30 frames, and then it records internally uh, 1080, 30. And the only downside with that is you're not getting 4K. You know, it seems like 4K is now the, the norm. You know, but the plane flat flew phenomenal. I even pulled this nice snack lady that was driving around giving us snacks, made her fly it, and uh, <laughs> the the plane maintains altitude on its own. You you push forward on the stick, it goes down at a predetermined rate. It goes up at a predetermined rate. Full stick forward gives you the fastest efficient speed. Full stick back gives you the slowest manageable speed. So you simply cannot stall and crash the plane. And then the features like auto land, uh, return to home. Everything just worked. Kind so. of sounds like a, a fixed wing Phantom. It really does. I, I hate to mix up brands, but yes, uh, and and it, which is a good thing. It, it really is. It's probably one of the highest compliments you could give it. Um, the best thing, the flight time. Uh, usually, when people give flight times, there's a bunch of asterisks behind mm-hmm. here. Like the Phantom. Like the Phantom. You know, yeah. it's, it says 25 minutes. In reality, what is it? 15? They say 28 minutes on the Phantom Four, and you get 15 to 20 with normal <laughs> flying if you just hover it there. Maybe you'll get 28. Yeah. Uh, hover it there with no wind. Um, Brand new battery. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, just, just standing still. Uh, this I flew for almost 30 minutes and I landed it. I had 77% of my battery left. And wow. when wow. you send these things on the geofence missions, um, where, and we'll, we'll cover all this in future content, but uh, when you send these on fi- uh, missions, it, it's such an efficient setup. You got about 50 miles an hour cruise and. Um, you're you're just sipping. I mean, it looks like a glorified mini quad motor, but it's so efficient. And when it comes into land, it actually reverses the prop to slow it down for the last little bit, and then also fold the prop back. Nice. And it made landings that were so gentle. It was it was just incredible to watch. So, so it just lands on its own. It lands. Yeah, you literally set it up for its final approach and and, and point it towards the area. It doesn't come around and automatically sit in the spot that you you set it sure. for. So you set it up where it's clear. Yeah. And then you hit the land button, and then you take your hands off. Wow. And it has a pre-set uh, rate of, of descent. And then right before it gets above the ground uh, and it's about to touch down, the sensor on the bottom sees it, and then it reverses the motor and it slows it down from maybe like 15 miles an hour to like 5, and it just just sets on the ground. That's crazy. Uh, so if this is where wings are going, um, I'm really excited. And I found out at the very last moment uh, they're going to hopefully take Chuck, which is the brains of this thing, and make it a orderable part, so you don't even have to put it in the disco. Their their passion really is around uh, flying uh, the, the technology and using the so, technology. So like the guts of it, the camera yeah. and the control and the autonomy, yeah. that's all going to be sold separately from yeah. their wing. That's cool. And and it's you know we're used to building arrows and sparrows for under a hundred bucks. This is thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's expensive, but yeah. I think it's going to hit more of like that phantom market than it yeah. will like the DIY like hobbyist. Yeah. Uh, I think you know hobbyists would still get some enjoyment out of it, but from what it sounds like, 
Um, uh, like, for example, it has the same type of camera as the Bebop. If you're not familiar with the Bebop, um, it's a fixed camera. So there's no gimbal, but it shoots a very wide, high-resolution shot. And then it stabilizes the footage kind of on the fly. Right. Um, so it's digital stabilization. Um, and, you know, there's, I'm sure a lot of people have to say about the good things and the bad things about digital stabilization. Um, but it worked for, the Bebop worked pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm imagining that the disco is going to be pretty, pretty good as, as well. Nice thing is about there, there's no moving parts, like in a, in a, a moving gimbal, especially on a wing when it's, you know, auto landing, even at five miles an hour, you can there, damage there'd be a good chance of damage. <laughs> yeah. This is a fixed camera. So there's just a little lens on the front. Um, and it still gets yeah. pretty smooth footage, which is awesome. One of the best things I saw is just with their Sky Controller 2, you got about 1.2 miles range, and I didn't believe it either, but we were on this mountain range, and one of the engineers took off geofencing. It was flying the whole range up and down, and uh, it didn't lose anything. And on the on-screen display, it shows you like a little radar, and you keep the green where the where the plane is in the center of it for optimal range. I didn't have a single brownout or, or blankout. And the other thing I really liked is there was another pilot going around and Chuck has a feature where you don't have to use a sky controller. You can actually plug an S-Bus receiver right in and fly it as an RC plane. And this guy was going nuts. And when I say going nuts, I mean he was flying it hard. He was hitting trees with it. And it would literally blow apart into three pieces. You clip it back together, and you're back up in the air. That's pretty awesome. So very, very durable platform. Well, even though it's got a higher price point, I think it'll be, like especially for like the tech side of things, yeah. like a really nice entry point to RC. Yeah. Just to find out if you like it and to make it so it's pretty rewarding and pretty achievable. Because as, as, for people that are Phantom customers that are buying a, you know, a Phantom, um, you know, when you're buying a Phantom, you're more buying a camera than you are buying something that flies. You know, you're basically investing in a different point of view. Yeah. And so if you don't have anything to take footage of, owning a Phantom gets pretty boring pretty quick. You know yeah. I mean, like you got to have something to film. you got to have a subject kind of like buying a GoPro. Like a lot of people buy a GoPro and they think, ah, my life's going to become awesome when I buy this GoPro. <laughs> when in reality, you're, you, 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 you realize how not awesome your life <laughs> is. <laughs> reality is it goes to the drawer pretty quick because you yeah. don't really use it a whole lot. I, it's what I like about this disco is that it sounds like it's a blast. And it sounds yeah. like you're actually covering some ground. You're actually, um, you know, really having some fun with it. And it's something that you don't necessarily need to be in a cool environment or have something cool to film you're flying. You're having yeah. that sensation of flight, and you're doing it in a way that's you know like pretty accessible. So you 110 percent nailed it. Um, even Henry Sadu's uh, speech was not about take selfies with this or anything like that. It was yeah. experience the sensation of flight. Yeah. And when you have a stabilized, the, the airframe stabilized, and like Alex said, the video footage is stabilized. You have this. this heavenly experience of flight where it's smooth. You know, I was flying up against a mountain range where turbulence shooting up. I, I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> Things stayed on track. That's cool. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut well, you off there. No, no, not at all. I was done. But yeah, I, I think that if you can get people to have that sensation of flight, you know, they'll come back to more. You know, they'll find other yeah. ways to get into it and start to research and, you know, maybe find, you know, somebody else on YouTube that's doing flight stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a gateway drug. It's, you know, if you have more money than you do time. Yeah. Then this could be a good option. For if sure. you If you have more time than money, the DIY atmosphere is a good way. Yeah. But it doesn't handicap you. If someone learns to fly off of this wing, it's not going to be like with the, the, the Phantoms where they kind of handicap you to be used to just pushing forward or when you go to conventionally, you're mixing throttle in and stuff like that. This really does teach you the basics of flight and it teaches you some of the core principles so you can go to the RC world a lot quicker. That's cool. And it was evident when they, when they gave it the option to become an RC aircraft as well. Oh, nice. So really cool Well, stuff. I'm looking forward to the video on that. I yeah. can't wait to see it. Well, guys, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Yeah. Well, can we give like two, three minutes to Alex and his epic vlog? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. No, that's... I, I got nothing but time. just wanted to close it in on that. <laughs> what, what do you, you want know, to talk about? Well, dude, you're killing specific? it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll explain, because I don't know if people really got this. Explain your vision with the vlog and what it's about, because... Um, yeah, basically, from day one, I've been working with the company for going on four years now. Um, and even back in the early days of, of when I was there, back when we only, I mean, when I got hired, I think we had 28,000 subscribers. Um, and from day one, people, the number one thing we get requested is more content. Um, so that was kind of part of the purpose behind this podcast is we wanted to do more content. And it's the same thing with the vlog. And uh, we set out from the beginning to do all of our content episodes wise. And even the podcast is either 
we have our three E's, which is entertaining, educating, and elevating. Um, and one of the things that we always drive home in our episodes is is go out and make memories. This hobby is meant to be shared with multiple people, not not in a vacuum by yourself. Um, and that's something that you know I experienced firsthand because before I met you guys and before I worked at Flight Test, none of my friends flew RC planes. I would fly with my dad, you know, often. Um, but other than that, I was kind of experiencing the hobby on my own. I would I would be the the guy at my friend's house who had an RC plane in his car, and I'd just go fly it out in the neighborhood, <laughs> and they would all just laugh when I crashed. So the idea behind the vlog is to kind of share our our personal relationships with each other within the shop. Um, and, and the memories that we make, we want, we, we have a good time. We, we do work hard, um, but we have a really good time and we make memories every single day. And we kind of just wanted to shed light on that to hopefully, um, inspire you guys to go out. And I have so many stories of people like the Kevin Teshners and people like that who got into the hobby. They found friends locally. And to this day, like Kevin Teshner and his friends, they started a podcast, yeah. free fall RC, which you guys should check them out. Um, and there's endless amounts of stories of people. There's husbands and wives like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Flash Gangster uh, of people who, you know, came together to enjoy the hobby, but they got a lot more of it, a lot more out of it than just flying RC planes. Um, you get actual relationships and actual memories. So that's kind of the the uh, the idea behind the vlog. And then also, hopefully, it's entertaining to some of you guys. And I've been I've been really happy with the feedback so far. Most yeah. I think most people are enjoying them. Um, there are some people who aren't you know too happy with it. But if if that's the case, let us know what you like and what what you don't like, uh, rather than just saying that I don't like this. You know, go back to your roots or whatever. Um, let me know what you do want to see because this is a great platform to basically show you guys whatever it is that you want to see within the shop that's not, you know, in an episode, hey, welcome to flight test format. Um, so leave some constructive criticism in the comments because we're reading them all. And yeah. appreciate all the great feedback. And if you have any constructive criticism, let us know because that's very, very valuable to us. Nothing's going to happen on Monday or Wednesday either. No. That, that's kind of the cool thing is... Uh you know, you said it so beautifully. We love each other. We really want to show people that relationship behind that. That's our number one passion mm-hmm. is the, the friendships that we have and, and fostered through flight. Yeah. Also, I should put a little disclaimer that the vlogs are typically the most interesting, entertaining eight to 10 minutes of our day. <laughs> and that's not how it always is in, in the shop. Uh, for example, I spend most of my time sitting at my computer desk uh, doing things like editing a vlog or, or you know, doing the graphic stuff. Um, so it would be nice if that was just our, our whole day was just eating ice cream sandwich cakes and, and By the way, that was lightsaber delicious. fights. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, great job. I mean, thank you for what you've done. And, and well, thank you guys. It wouldn't be possible without uh, people watching. So thanks for yeah. tuning in and, and, and watching what we're doing. So I have kind of a funny anecdote. Did, I wasn't in last week's podcast. Did you guys talk about the blog last week by any chance? Uh, I don't think we did a podcast last week. Well, I mean the last episode that we released. Yeah, we did mention it, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I forget exactly what we said. I didn't listen to that podcast, but I titled it FT Vlog because you guys were going to be talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we mentioned it at the okay, beginning, good. I think. So as I say, I should go back and change that title. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't talk it's about like, it last those week. Those people are liars. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no vlog I don't talking. remember what we talked about, though. It's, it's kind of funny, though, listening to a, a podcast about a vlog. That's just saying. <laughs> we'll talk about the podcast and the vlog. Yeah, so. no, we're going to talk about the I'm about to leave this podcast and turn the camera on and be like, just got done vlog or podcast and I can't even keep it straight. You're going to vlog about the podcast. <laughs> just got done podcast and now we're going to go live stream on the vlog. Things awesome. that didn't exist five years ago. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. Alex, thank you. Josh, thank you. Yep. Austin, it was a great week. It was. It was. Yeah. We're Maybe still recovering from the, from the Tracy. <laughs> I'm still glowing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See you guys. See ya. Bye.